Hello, hello everyone. I'm Peter Resnick and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Today, once again, uh, is an open mic show. I will gladly take your calls with questions and or comments regarding health, healing, well-being, consciousness, or spirituality. I think I told you that 15 years ago, yeah, God, it's been 15 years. 15 years ago, I uh, worked with Dr. Schachter at the Schachter Center for Complementary Medicine. So I actually started working with him 30 years ago. And till 15 years ago, I was there for 15 years. Um, and the Schachter Center was the biggest center of cancer treatment with alternative modalities. So I saw people from Sweden, from England, from Saudi Arabia, and my specialty was, of course, mind-body integrative therapy. That is, there is always uh, an emotional and mental component to any physical illness, and that's not just my conclusion, it's unquestionable uh, reality. There are many, many studies done uh, specifically on that, that most, if not all, physical illnesses are just one aspect of the not well-being illness of the whole organism. There is a wonderful book written by Blair Justice, Who Gets Sick? And he collected thousands uh, upon thousands of studies. It's a big book. Uh, studies from around the world linking stress, linking emotional distress with virtually every physical illness. So I have a lot of experience working with cancer patients, with, with people suffering from many physical and mental and emotional disorders. So you're welcome to call and ask any questions. Um, my number here is 888-874-4888. Of course, if you're not able to call, you can email me with your questions or comments to drpeterresnik at gmail.com. D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. Um, I, I must tell you, I could count on my fingers people who call. And there are times, and I think you heard me already saying it, uh, there are times I'm thinking, is there anybody listening? And then I call the studio and I ask, and they're somehow they're able to to know with this modern technology, how many people called? I see nine, uh, nine, 900 people were listening or 600 people were listening, but only few people call. And in fact, some, and I'm glad that it's like my old friends, the, there are people who repeatedly call. Uh, but I would say, I don't know, maybe 50, between 15 and 20 people uh, keep calling, um, not more. For, I, don't, I do not know why. Uh, maybe you can help me. Maybe you can write an email and suggest how can I involve more people in, into this, in this dialogue uh, back and forth. I, I don't like uh, keeping a monologue and, and just uh, telling you things telling you uh, about my work or, or diff even different uh, projects that we have, like working with the six pillars of well-being, I would rather 
answering your questions and working with you here on the air. Anyway, uh, that's talking about like, uh, sometimes I'm thinking uh, about being silent, you know, and seeing what happens. Uh, what if I don't talk, but it wouldn't work on the radio. So I keep talking. Uh, but what came to my mind when I was thinking about keeping silent is that it's not such a bad thing. In fact, it would be not productive if you, you probably would get offline. Uh, if you would hear me just being silent. Uh, but King Solomon said, uh, what, almost 3000 years ago, I had many good teachers in my life, but the greatest one um, was silence. So silence actually is very, oh, now we have Gwen calling. Oh, wonderful. Gwen is my old friend. She will not let me down. <laughs> okay, Gwen, you're on the air. Hi, Doctor Resnick. How can I hear you? How can I hear you talk like that? And not call you, but besides, today is Tuesday. I actually have a day off today, so I this uh, two weeks in a row I have off. Um, so I don't know whether you want to continue on the dream from last week or not. Um, but I thought that I would just give you a call and tell you that uh, I did not go on your website and I didn't look into what dreams mean. Um, unfortunately, people like me love to listen to the radio because I'm very much an audio learner. I'm not really a visual learner. Reading bothers my eyes and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, and I think that um, for some reason I have a lot of angst about it. So sitting down to get still to read about it is too, is too hard. But I wanted to chime in about maybe why people aren't calling. I think it's because it's, it's a very vulnerable place to put yourself when you call somebody on the air that's a therapist and then you're putting your real problems out there and it's, you know, it's a very judgmental world out there. And I think maybe that's part of the reason why, and I'm certain that people enjoy listening to you because you have a ton of incredibly great information, but don't give up on this, this audience because this is a really good audience. Thank you. Thank you, Gwen. So let's go back to, to the dreams. But by the way, I thought about it. And in, in fact, I, I voiced it also that possibly people feel intimidated, uncomfortable sharing with their problems. Uh, that's why I, I also get emails and, and that feeds kind of me with ideas of what to talk about. So after you and I speak about night dreams, actually, I, I wanted to, to speak about something uh, that um, one of the people who sent me an email uh, requested. So, but let's first focus on night dreams. And since you did not, and I understand some people don't don't really like reading. They would rather hear things, uh, and and they absorb it better, and then they they can remember things much better than if they read it. So basically, the main reason I want people to read the article is to to understand that, uh, that the dream world is a parallel reality within our consciousness. It's not like they, people say, oh, I had a dream, but in real life, the dream is also real. It's just a different level of reality. We live a physical reality, we live mental reality, we live 
mental conscious reality, like right now, when you're listening to me, and hopefully many people are listening to that's conscious. But there is also what is called unconscious reality, which means um, it's all information that is not in the present moment. For example, uh, if you think when, what what are you wearing on on your feet now? Are you wearing shoes? I'm wearing my hot orange bright sneakers. Totally uh, hot orange bright sneakers. <laughs> so look, you're wearing hot orange bright sneakers, but do you have shoes at home? Yes, I hate them. Okay, but think about <laughs> those shoes. The enemy. <laughs> but till I asked you about the shoes, even about sneakers, you did not think about uh, the sneakers or the shoes. And even more, when I ask you what you're wearing at this moment, possibly you did not need to even look down, but you retrieved it from your memory while listening to me, while consciously being present with me and with the computer or the cell phone that you are using you still your subconscious stores all information and the moment i i said what are you wearing on your feet or do you have your shoes at home you thought about them what does it mean where did you get that thought in the storage conscious in the storage house called subconscious or unconscious mind so everything that is not in the conscious in the present moment is part of our subconscious all our memories all our past experiences our subconscious is also in charge of our involuntary um, system, which means your conscious mind is not regulating your respiratory system or your cardiovascular system, your heart, but your subconscious does, you see? And through your subconscious, we can actually access even involuntary system, which means you cannot say to yourself, uh, I want my heart rate increase. But through your subconscious, through memories, and that's where memories are in the subconscious, we can actually increase your heart rate. That is, if I ask you, Gwen, think about, and I don't want you, but think about something scary or think about some uh, experience that was very exciting, negative or positive. And you will have to reach for your subconscious mind, meaning for your storage house of information. And once you get in touch with those images or those memories, then your heart rate may increase, you see? So we are still indirectly able to reach our subconscious mind. Why Why I'm talking about dreams and subconscious mind? Because it is subconscious mind that is forming all these uh, dreams to inform us about our conscious living, which means uh, a person may live consciously in denial, meaning a person is saying to himself, everything is fine, I'm happy, I have a good job, uh, I have a good wife, um, uh, everything is fine in my life. But there is deep dissatisfaction with something, whether uh, this person is disappointed about his relationship or her relationship with a spouse, or there is some conflict with the children, but there are people who are in denial, and they choose to kind of play it happy, they're fine. But in the dream, may, they see they see a conflict. They see themselves suffering. And the purpose of that movie that the subconscious mind is displaying is to alert them that something is not right in their life. 
In fact, when I worked, uh, you heard me speak in the beginning about working with cancer patients. Uh, when I worked with a lot of cancer patients, I still work now, but at that time it was like 70% of people were cancer patients. I found that their night dreams, uh, as they recalled their night dreams in my office, they, they recalled that three, six months prior to the onset of the disease, prior to the diagnosis, the night dreams were already telling them that something was off. Though consciously didn't, they didn't have any physical symptoms, and consciously they didn't think that there was a problem, even emotionally. And some people were aware, but were not willing to make changes. And their subconscious was insisting, coming over and over, saying, hey, something is not right. So that's why uh, when I wanted you to read. But now I'm giving you kind of a synopsis of what is in the article. But also, in the article, I talk about the ability to correct the night dreams. How do you correct? Because the night dream is not only a reflection of where you are in life, but it's also a blueprint of where you're going, which means, let's say, if a person has a dream of being a victim, that reflects that their uh, victimhood um, in their waking life, whether it's physical or emotional victimhood or, or uh, well, victimhood through uh, self-abuse, one way or another, a person is a victim. So yes, it reflects, the dream reflects this victimhood in a dream. But also remember that dream is a, is a blueprint. If you were a victim till this very moment of dreaming, what do you think you will be tomorrow? So it's also a blueprint of where you're going. But the wonderful thing about the night dream is that you can enter that night dream and make correction through imagination and will. For example, if a person is victimized or abused, he or she can go back into the dream and stand up for herself or himself. And you will say, so what's the big deal? That's only in, a, in this imagination, yes. But that becomes mental and emotional blueprint for the time yet to come in the physical world. What I'm saying is when you do rehearsal, in the rehearsal of events, so when you enter a physical world uh, or waking reality, you have much more strength and confidence to act in a new way in your waking reality. So. Uh, just like, you know, a good actor, they, when they, they, what do they do? They rehearse over and over again. And then when they go on stage, they actually they do a good performance only when they have inner rehearsal. That's in general. How do you correct the night dream? It's very simple. If you, uh, and I uh, describe it in the article, but in few words, First, you stay, let's say if you were victimized in a dream, or you, you had a loss, or you had a conflict, you say to yourself in your mind, I'm doing this exercise with an intention to resolve the conflict, or not stop being a victim, you don't want to, to, to say negative about negative, but to, to assert myself, I'm doing this with an intention to be a winner, to be powerful, to, to be in peace, to be connected with the best of myself and so on. And then you imagine seeing number five, five turning into four, four becoming three, two, one, zero. 
zero becomes an oval, a big oval, full-size mirror. You step through the mirror and into the point of the greatest conflict, knowing that with through will, within your imagination, you can make any corrections. You can do anything. Remember, nothing is limiting you except your imagination. If your imagination is limited, you go and fight. You stand up for yourself. If you need, you have, have a sword, you have a laser, you have whatever you need to become a winner. And then you are finished with this scene. You have to be victorious. Then you step out of the mirror. The mirror becomes zero, one, two, three, four, five, and you open your eyes. This is it. As I was telling you uh, about the night dream and how to work with it, when I remembered last time when you called, we started actually working on your dream. Is that right? Yes. So we did start working on it. It was a dream from when I was a child. It, 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 it's not a dream from today. It was, it was my very first bad dream. It just stayed with me for many, many years because I never understood really what it was about. I mean, I was too, I was, yeah, the only thing I can tell you is that the girl's house I was at, my best friend, her mother, you know, back then we didn't, we didn't call it child abuse. We just said your, her mom was pretty mean, but we didn't say things like child abuse. You know, just, but she was, we were all afraid of her, really intimidated by her. But th that was the only thing when you talked about it that I could think of, you know, I like my friend Jeannie a lot. She's my best friend, but it was so scary when I woke up and had that dream and I, I, I couldn't. I never forgot the dream, and I couldn't go back to sleep that night. Yeah, it's when it's so so important actually that you brought up this dream, because yet, yet yes, you had many many dreams after that. I'm sure, but you still remember that dream, which means that dream, that story, is significant to in your life today. So so what you are telling me, just think about it as a as a, let's call it, template for life, because it appeared early in your life. And remember, everyone in a night dream is a part of you. So, so you, uh, what is the first thought that comes to you about that friend of yours who had the mean mother? What's the first thought that comes to you about that friend? Mm, we, had, we, had, we had fun. Yes, but but she had unique qualities, you know. You can say. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Well, well, I guess the first thing I think about was her super thick blonde hair. She had this really thick, thick blonde hair, and people used to kind of make fun of her because she had her teeth were a little buck. But I always thought she was really pretty. Uh huh. And the other thing that is really important about our relationship is that I was definitely the dominant in the relationship. I was seven, she was six, and I was always, you know, one year older when you're a little kid, it means a lot. So I was kind of like the, uh, the, the alpha kid <laughs> so, so <laughs> in my relationship. Let's do two stages work on this dream, Gwen. First, we'll get back to Gwen, who is an adult, and I don't know how old you are, and it's not so, so important, but you are old, older than, than 18. <laughs> Right. So a little bit. So, so, but let's first look at this dream as if you told me this dream, and you are what? How old were you in that dream? Eight, six I, years I, old. I think I was uh, probably nine or ten. Okay. So imagine you are nine years old, and you are telling this dream to me. So of course the first 
thing that I would ask you is um, how how do you how did you feel when you woke up? And I'm terrified. Terrified. So that would tell me Gwen. Gwen, the adult now. Let's uh, let let me Gwen the adult. Uh, let me tell you that you and I are partners at uh, at looking at little Gwen's experience. Okay. I just want to let you in on what's happening with the little Gwen. So we know, as we as as specialists in in night dreams, we understand that there is something happening in Gwen's life that she's terrified about. Maybe not consciously, but she's terrified about because this dream came into her consciousness, right? So, and she is. We know she is in the house of her friend. Remember, everyone in the, in the dream is a part of us. So, 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 which means she is connected with the part of herself that is pretty, that is able to follow. Because remember, Gwen Gwen is is a leader, but the girl, the younger girl, is the follower. But remember, the event is happening in the house of the follower. Do you understand? Uh, but the yeah. follower's mother is really mean so or you 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 are now saying possibly it was like child abuse she was really a tough lady so yeah. that tells me that there was a part of gwen's the nine-year-old gwen's life where she was abusive with herself she was very tough on herself can you recall at all Anything like where you were, like, unkind to yourself, Gwen? Um, well, I, I, I think uh, I've always, I don't know if it was that young, but I've always been uh, completely obsessed with weight and the self-talk. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I, I don't know if it was that early because there really, you know, was no problem at that time. I didn't think, um, but self talk about weight has never been a nice talk. <laughs> but, but you see, that's you see. But already the dreaming mind. If Gwen, who was nine years old, would come to me, and uh, you know, possibly you sound young, so possibly, and I've been working with dreams for over thirty years. I don't know uh, if if Gwen would come to see me thirty years ago. And I would say the same thing. I would say, what is, how, in what way are you being abusive to yourself? Because remember, because I knew would say, I'm not abusive to myself. And I would say, no, no, there is a part of you that is abusive. Because otherwise, an abusive person would not come into your night dream. You're not abusive with everything. But there is a certain part of you about certain things that is abusive. So you have to figure out what it is. Okay. I, I think I think I, I think maybe I think I thought that Jeannie was prettier than me. Oh, I, I think I think so she putting was yourself than down, me. comparing yourself, right? Yes. Oh yes, I did compare myself really early on. As a matter of fact, when I was in first grade, I was always an artistic child, but when I saw my best friend Pam's paintings when we were little I decided yeah. that I wasn't as good as her, so I shouldn't paint. Okay. So, see, that's unfortunate. This is tragic because, you know, 
once from early age, young age, you begin to judge yourself, it only escalates. Unless you're in an environment where somebody catches you on doing that and, and teaches you to do otherwise, it grows. And, and once you're becoming a judgmental person with yourself, what happens as you go through life, you are looking for proofs to why you are right. You're not looking for proof to why you are incredible, why you are creative, why you are powerful, why you are intelligent, why you are artistic. No, you're looking for a reason to put yourself down. And the more you put yourself down, the more con there is confirmation that you are dumb or you are not capable, you are not talented and so on. So, but now let's, so now we know about Gwen, who is nine years old, but there, there is a reason Gwen, who is her age today, still remembers that dream, which tells me that Gwen, the adult, is still doing the same thing, is still putting herself down for one reason or another. Tell me I'm wrong. I think right now, I, I know exactly why you're right. I, 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 I tell you, this, this, this thing that's been going on with my sister and myself has been about the most painful thing I've ever gone through psychologically. It's been so hurtful, painful. It makes me feel like I'm standing on a carpet that he's pulling out. But the other thing that's been happening is, you know, she has an army of lawyers and a judge, I believe, has been paid off. And so when I go down there and the things that people say to me when I go on these court dates, the most horrible things people say. And um, and it's just there's no justice at all. I, I, there's there's no justice, and no matter what I do, it doesn't seem to matter. It seems that some somebody made up a story about me, and and then and everyone decided to jump on it, and it's been horrible and um, and painful. And psychologically, you know, I don't I don't go and talk to somebody about these things. Um, I don't really have any place to put it. So maybe that's maybe that's why it came up for me is because I do feel terrified. I mean, I'm I believe that you you know you can be afraid, very afraid in your life, but I also believe that you can walk through your fear too. And 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 sometimes I think God gives you these things to do because there's a lesson in it for you. But I won't tell you that you know the tearing up of my family through my sister has been. Um, unbelievably painful and um i i it, it feels you know i it, you know feels like years and years of my my helping my parents and doing everything i could i i probably should never work so hard for them but i did and um then to have everybody uh you know not only turn around and you know i'm taken away i mean just my sister ripped everything out of my life i mean um my my husband died and and uh, then my sister poisoned my niece against me, and and then she took the last thing, and that was um, this this haven I have where my parents live in this beautiful town that I could never afford to live, and I'll never be able to live there. But the connection, you know, I used to be able to go down and see my mom and dad, and we don't have this peachy keen relationship, but I'm very close with them in many many ways. So going through this is really hard. Going to court is so hard. It's so damaging. It's so hurtful. Um, and, and yet I feel like if I didn't do it, if I hadn't done it and I hadn't stood up for myself, 
then I think the problem would have been even worse for me psychologically. But this time I feel that I've been having, you know, it's like been one long nervous breakdown or one, one, one horrible psychological terror after another. And uh, there doesn't seem to be a let up. There's, you know, just, it's just, I just haven't really been getting any breaks where this is concerned. Um, but I, you know, but I know that I have um, people around me here in New York that, that are very supportive and, and helped me a lot getting through it. But I, I guess that is why it showed up in that weird, weird dream, because that dream was, that dream was so terrifying for me. And, um, and I have been having a lot of dreams lately that are also very upsetting and terrifying too. Not as terrifying as that one, but there's still, you know, there's not any relief. It's not enough to say to me, well, you're, you're, you're going through this during the day. So now you're going to go through it at night. Well, I don't really want to go through it at all. <laughs> I don't want to dream about these things at night. It's not, I just, I don't, but anyway, I guess, I guess you put your finger on it. No, I want, so we, we, now we are clear why this dream still is in your mind, because you are living that dream in the present time. Because you also told, told us that, you know, you were terrified of this woman, uh, the, the girl's mother. And now you are I'm terrified, terrified of my sister. I am terrified of my sister, too. Yeah. I'm terrified of her. I mean, I'm terrified. And I'm telling you, I've never had anyone in my life ever, as, a, as an adult, beat me up, hit me, I mean, punch me in the head. I, I, I cannot believe that even happened to me. But it wasn't, you know, it's, I've always tried to keep distance from her because her temper is so bad. And, you know, three times since this has happened, my car has been sabotaged. And I could have gotten in a very, very serious car accident each time. And um, there just doesn't seem to be like, no one is, no one will listen to me. I've been to the police and, you know, they agree that it's been sabotaged and they, they, but they don't follow up with any investigation. They don't do anything. You know, Dr. Resin, you know, maybe a lot of people listen to all these shows on PRM because all of us probably have experienced some point in our life where it was like, you're screaming like a siren trying to tell people there's something really wrong. And people just like, they just ignore you. They ignore it. They ignore you. And, and then these damaging things happen Gwen. and they get very detrimental. Sorry. Yeah. Gwen. Uh, at times circumstances cannot be changed. Sometimes they can be changed when we have peace of mind and at times we, they cannot be changed at, at all. There is one thing that can be changed, and it can have a big effect on our life, the quality of our life. And that's something that uh, Greek philosopher Epictetus expressed 2,500 years ago. He said, it's not the things to events that affect us, but the attitude that we take toward them. Mm-hmm. So uh, your, your sister is, is who she is. She acts the way she does. You take it personally, and therefore, then you are suffering. There is still pain of going to court. It's still there is still pain. Uh, And there would be pain, but there would be no suffering. But you have pain and suffering. So how do you have pain without suffering? You you accept that your sister is who she is. And it's it sucks. It would be much better to have a healthy, loving relationship with your sister. So it's a painful experience. But you will avoid suffering if you stop resenting the whole situation. It is what it is. You have to accept it. Uh, Whatever she does, 
has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with who she is. You see what I mean? If she would have a fight with somebody else, what do you think she would be a loving and caring person? That's her nature. If right. if people are lying, they are lying to everyone. You just happen to be on their way. If people are violent, that's who they are. So you need just to focus on how to get fewer punches. But if you are also saying, how dare she? How can she do that? Now you are not only being uh, in pain from, from the situation, but you're also suffering because you feel it's so unfair that it's happening. It shouldn't be happening. It should. Why? Because she is who she is. So what you need right. to work on is on your attitude toward. And what I would suggest, Gwen, remember in the beginning of the show, uh, in the beginning of our talk, I told you how to correct the night dreams. Remember five, four, three, two, one, zero, you step into the mirror and you go into the moment of the dream. What I would suggest is that after this show, you do this exercise, you go five, four, three, two, one, and then one becomes a zero, zero becomes a, a, an oval mirror. You step through the mirror and go into the moment of being nine years old and being scared of this woman's mother. And remember, it's your imagination. You can do anything. Stand up to her. Stand up to her. Fight back. Go beyond fear. Because what you do is unconsciously you change yourself from being a victim to a person who, who is confident. And what you will find is that you will be much more confident and at peace in your waking life. You still have mm. this suit. You still have people who don't understand you, who are not on your side. You also have people in New York who care about you and who understand you. So, but... You have to accept that those people who don't understand you, they also exist. And it's okay. It's their story. It becomes your story once you begin to resent that they exist, that these people are not honest, that your sister is violent. You know, she is who she is. This is her story. She was this, this way before you. She will be this way after you. That's what you have to accept. Your, your circumstances you have to accept. You understand? But not judge yeah. them, but accept it is. That's 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 the situation in life. And it's okay. I can handle it. You are not a victim till you say, I am a victim. This is happening to me. This is happening, period. It's not happening to you. She is acting this way because that's who she is. She cannot be any other way. That's tragic. It would be much nicer if she would be, you would be in a nice relationship with your sister. But it's not happening. You have to accept it, and you will suffer less. Gwen, I will have to take another call now. Did you understand what I asked you to do with the correction of the dream? Yes, I did. I did, Doctor. Thank you so much. You're so you're so smart. Thank you so so much. I love that brain of yours. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye bye. Now, Eve uh, e from Edgewater, you're online, you're on the air. Hello? Hello, Dr. Resnick. Hello, Hi. Dr. Hi. Resnick. Yes, I recognize yes. your name. 
Yes, it's the 1954 boys. Remember, we're both well, born right. in 1954. Yeah, we're at the same age. I think I am older than you for three, three, four months, right? Oh, one month. You're August. I'm September. Oh, okay. Yes. So, okay, young man, <laughs> speak up. Right. Okay, Dad. Now listen, Dad. One and nine equals ten, and five and four equals nine. And yes. 10 and 9 equals 19, and 1 and 9 equals 10. That's 1954. We both share that number, that year we were born in, right? And it adds up to 10. And maybe that's why we're both so spiritual. Mm. That's what I wanted to talk about today. Is that all right? You, absolutely. You wanted to talk about numerology? No, 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 no. That was just uh, uh, something that I dabble in sometimes. Uh, you know, because we can't resist taking from the tree of knowledge. That's okay. what I want to talk about. If we had a, a commandment mm -hmm. to take from the tree of life and not to take from the tree of knowledge, why did we have, why is that such a hard thing to understand? Uh, it's it's a such <laughs> uh, it's such a good question, you know, but it's I, I can we I can, we can both contribute to to answering this question. Uh, I had a discussion uh, one time, which lasted probably more than more than an hour <laughs> on this subject, the subject of greed. Greed, uh, even in 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 the best situation, even if it's greed for something good, it's still greed. Uh, Jesus taught good does not come out of evil evil comes out of evil so when you have even something good that you want to achieve but you do the wrong thing something bad comes out why I'm saying this we have this creative impulse that we call God and God says there is order remember it's all about order about boundaries in order. I want you to uh, be fruitful, multiply, do this, do that, uh, eat from this tree, don't eat from that tree. Teaching us to have boundaries. And yet, uh, of course, there, there is an impulse like this, the snake is a representation of that evil impulse or impulse to not listen to one voice. The, the inner voice or voice of God. So that impulse comes and says, hey, you can have even more. Wait a minute, everything is given to you. You can have everything except that one thing from the tree, from the tree of good and evil. Uh, and, and human beings, rather than listening to one voice of the creator that created them, out of the greed impulse say, oh, oh, this is fantastic. Let's go and check that too. And in fact, uh, nothing terrible will happen because remember this, this snake says, uh, God said, if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And the snake says, no, you will not die. And indeed, when they ate, they didn't die. But because they, when God says you will surely die, it's not meaning that you will die, you, you will stop breathing and die. Because it was in the world of spirit. It wasn't still in the physical world. It was, you will begin 
you will become mortal because human beings were not meant to die. Just like women were not meant to suffer giving birth. So it's all all happens out of human beings listening, not to the first voice, but to the word of doubt. The, the root of the word doubt is do, French do, means to. They listen to the second voice. And what, what the message for us in this world is to listen to the first voice, to the first impulse that comes from deep inside. And I have a whole article about it, listening to your inner voice. So when we listen to one voice rather than to the voices of doubt, voice of greed, voice of, of judgment, then we are in a good place. So would you like to contribute to it, uh, Dee, about, about cho uh, why, why they chose? Maybe you have a different opinion. Well, I, I'd like to contribute that, you know, the story was symbolic. Adam and Eve represented the humanity. The tree of life represented the planet that could nurture us and give us everything we needed to live a wonderful, beautiful, productive life for eternity. And the other tree represented the evil that can permeate into our minds and control us and make us believe this illusion can be something that is good. And then we get convinced by our parents and grandparents and siblings and friends that this bad thing is good, that we should go to school and listen very carefully, pay close attention to what the teacher tells us and everything that they're telling us is good and important for us to know. And then we're going to have good, successful lives and careers and everything's going to be peachy and rosy. And when I was in second grade, I remember I was sat by the window there and I looked out the window and I'm like, I want to be out there in the park and enjoying my life. And then I look around and I'm stuck in this stuffy classroom and everybody else is paying attention to this teacher. And it's so boring and they're looking like this is their life's work. They have to do this from the second grade. And we've never got past that. We can't get past the second grade, Dr. Resnick. We're stuck in it. And we believe that all this stuff that we were told in school and from the television that we got ushered in with because we were born in the 50s and we were the first generation to be saddled with that. Our parents and grandparents had to face the stark reality of the cruelty of humanity to each other by having wars and depressions and and things that that did, were done to people on purpose to make them think that this was something so that they could then support this system of an illusion that we must keep going on this path of insanity that's what i will add to it maybe you can pick it up from there let me see if i understood you correctly so basically, you're suggesting that uh, the tree of life really is living in connection with nature, getting all that we, uh, what we received from God, nature, from our environment, 
And you are, you are suggesting that the tree of good and evil really was not needed, that it was a mistake. It's a tree of simply information about life rather than life. No, 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 no. No, it was a very, it's the most important thing in the Bible. It's the most important thing in our lives. We had one simple thing, one decision to make. We have to make it. That's what makes us different than everything else. We have the ability to make a choice. You can choose to be manipulated or you can choose not to be manipulated. We all choose to be manipulated, and that's why we are, and that's why we're in the predicament we're in. Instead of listening to God and not taking from the tree of knowledge and just sticking with the planet and respecting it and taking from it what we needed to survive and enjoy our lives, just like the Aboriginal people and live, learn to adapt to live in the desert because they were smart enough. They didn't go to school to learn these things. We're not born with an empty vessel of a head. We have a brain in there that knows all these things already. We don't need to be taught about an illusion. So I want to be clear. So you're saying that, yes, it was important to, to eat from the tree of good and evil. Is that right? It was important, but at a different time than they did, or what? Yes, what? It, was, yes it, it was important for the fact that as the story went on, yeah. things had to be destroyed, but Noah was saved to uh, have a few people to go on because of what was going on on the planet at the time, because of the evil was getting stronger with the giants and everything. The flood had to happen to get rid of all of that nonsense and start over again. And then the had to come down and be born as a woman. God told the devil, if a man can be born from a woman and can resist your temptation, then the, the people get, the humanity gets another chance. Is that a good deal? And the devil agreed. No man born from a woman can resist my temptation. But God put himself in Mary's womb and was born from a woman and then grew up and showed us how to live as Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. okay. Put him on the yeah. cross and told him we want Barabbas because we got paid off with gold and silver coins to yell out Barabbas instead of Jesus. We know we've been tricked all along, so why don't we come out of this trickery that we're in and get back to where we were in the garden with the choice and stop making the wrong one. Let's just go with the right choice now that we know that taking from the tree of knowledge is the wrong one. Uh, the tree. So, again, I want to hear you're saying that we should not you shouldn't we should not have eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Is that right? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that had to happen to it's show us what was going to happen from that. And then when we can realize what would happen from that, then we can then change that behavior since we got more chances to do that with Noah and that with Jesus, we then should have gone back to the original thing of just taking from the tree of life because we made the mistake for thousands of years of taking from the tree of knowledge. And that's why we can't get out of it. I hope now every, every listener uh, got it too, because I kind of wasn't clear. Maybe I'm, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I couldn't figure out. But now I understand what you mean. 
Thank you. Uh, thank you, Ed from Edgewater. No, E from Edgewater. E. 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 <laughs> is it your... A, B, C, D, E. Get it? E. 1954, September 13th, and you're August 1954. Oops. Yes, August 2nd. Thank you very Second. much for calling E from Edgewater. <laughs> thank you. All right, my brother. Have a peaceful day. I love you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for calling. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. So let's now let's go back to uh, maybe another caller. If somebody calls, I will take the call, as I said. And if not, uh, I wanted to tell you about the call that I received, not the call, the email I received from a person um, who said, please speak about anxiety, depression, and self-perception. And you know, um, I received a number of emails uh, where people would ask me to talk about depression and anxiety. But for some reason, when I received this particular email, I had this feeling that a person is suffering right now, that the person who sent this email is actually suffering and he, he is or she is in crisis because I, I uh, did not see um, this person did not specify, didn't give his or her first name. So, and from email, I couldn't understand whether it's female or male. So I would love to be able to help you, um, or at least to start. We, we have only nine minutes of the show to go. I, but I wanted to tell you, uh, whoever wrote this email, I want to tell you that I am committed to answering your uh, email and I will talk. I will start talking now about depression uh, and anxiety. And uh, sometimes people are surprised. Those who did not have this experience so are surprised. How can it be that a person experiences anxiety and depression at the same time? Anxiety is all about the future, making up some stories, uh, fears um, of what will happen, what may not happen, or, or what problems may occur. And depression is all about the past, what didn't happen, regrets, remorse, guilt, and so on. Yes, people can feel both at the same time. And they can go into depth of this sadness and hopelessness, and at the same time feel anxious that they will never come out of it. And that produces tremendous anxiety. And then any, any little fluctuations of their environment anything small that happens, uh, uh, a very neg a little negative thing happens, it's blown out of proportion, because now they're already depressed and, and uh, they're terrified that w whatever negative thing happened can repeat again and can and never stop. And so on that produces also anxiety. So we, you have to know, most people who are depressed, for example, um, feel in the times of clinical depression, in the depth of depression, feel that they're the only people who experience it and they're hopeless. You have to know that around 18 million American adults suffer from depression every year. So, which means a little more than one of 20 people. If you walk out on the street and you pass by, you know, if you walk along a long street and you see uh, people passing by, maybe within half an hour, a couple of hundred people 
will pass you by, know that 10 of them are seriously depressed. Uh, so you are not alone. This is very important. And I want to tell you, today we start, but next uh, next week on Tuesday, I will start with talking about depression and anxiety. And um, we'll have an open mic in the second part of the show, because I really want to, to help you if I can. So depression uh, comes as a, as a consequence of our way of thinking, of course. People don't, even though it feels like you wake up, you're already depressed, you wake up and then thoughts come. Thoughts come about where you are, how you feel. It can be also physical sensation, fatigue. You may have also problems sleeping. And all that, once you become cognizant of yourself being awake, um, you feel sad, you feel heavy. And the worst is that it feels like you do, you forget how it felt uh, when you were not suffering, when you were not depressed. So you have to, once you become aware of this uh, sadness, the most important thing, if you can do it, if you have the strength in you, uh, you have to change your position, you have to change your physical state. Even if you feel exhausted, you have to get up and begin to exercise. Uh, do some vigorous exercise so that you would perspire. Uh, I will, again, next week, I will give you, I have a 10-step program of overcoming depression. And I will go with you step by step, um, explaining uh, how to do it. And I've utilized this step uh, 10 step program with many people and I found it being very helpful. But for now, I want like you to, uh, again, if you can call next week, that would be fantastic. Uh, and if you cannot, I will just assume that you're listening, we'll talk about depression. Uh, the first thing is you you don't need to fight except you change the physical state, if you can change your thinking, uh, you, you do. If you can get involved in something meaningful, you do. But if you cannot, just allow yourself to, to be in that state. And if you, feel, if you fluctuate between uh, anxiety and depression, all you need to do is to acknowledge, this is how I feel. But keep in mind and remind yourself, this is temporary. You have to know, so many people suffer from depression, and yet they get over it. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel, with when people are depressed and become anxious and think that it will never end. That's that's the worst state. There uh, is this feeling of hopelessness. Remember, it's not hopeless. It feels hopeless in that moment, but life is is goes on and will find a way. As I said, there are many uh, things that you can do. But when the anxiety comes, for example, if you um, in, in, in a way, anxiety can be your escape from depression, which means you may feel so sad, 
so incapacitated that suddenly you begin to have thoughts, my God, it will never end and it will only get worse. But in a way, anxiety is a more functional state than than clinical depression when you are in apathy and you cannot do anything, you don't want to get out of bed. So anxiety may propel you to move and uh, to do something physically. And then you acknowledge that you feel anxious. Don't fight it. Just say it's it's an experience of anxiety. Because everything, including anxiety, has its own energy. And it's not endless. Which means if you stay in there with that feeling of unsettledness, of that feeling of anxiety, eventually it will subside. And if it's not subsiding fast enough, you begin to breathe. You start by breathing out slowly, very slowly, and breathing in normally. Breathing out slowly, breathing in normally. By breathing out very slowly, you stimulate vagus, which is a quieting nerve that goes from your brain, from medulla to your heart, lungs, and stomach, and you come down. And if it takes you five, ten minutes of breathing like this, that's fine. But you don't want to focus on your thoughts because they may be anxiety producing. So that's why you breathe out. And as you're breathing out, you count in your mind. Try to count from one to 12 and breathe in from one to six, breathing out slowly, breathing in normally. I will have to finish now. The, our time is up. But again, as I promised, I will get back to this subject uh, next week, next Tuesday, I hope. Uh, I will have your attention. And for now, I have to say goodbye to everybody. Uh, be happy and peace to all who want to live in peace.